Here's our starting question today. Is good enough good enough? Now, let me explain that to you this morning. Do you remember when we actually called people to be great? Do you remember that? We called people to be great. Do you remember when we used to push people to be their absolute best? Do you remember when it was an awesome thing to excel at something, to actually be tremendous at something? Do you remember when it was commendable to, to go and to work hard and to strive and to push and then to be the cream that would rise to the top, whatever the, the area may be? Remember when we used to say it was awesome to excel at something? Well, today I'm afraid that that is lost. Today I believe we suffer from what I call a lowest common denominator ideology. Now, what that means is this. Today, we give all the kids a trophy. Good enough is good enough. Sometimes we don't even keep score anymore. Today, we, we and it's in a whole lot of areas, we set the bar so low that everybody can get over it. We for sure wouldn't want anybody not to make it, and so we set the bar as low as we, as we possibly can. Good enough is good enough. I was thinking about that. Remember when you tried out for something and you could actually not make it? Seventh grade. Came off a stellar season on the B team as a second string fullback and decided I would go out for track. Halfway through the first practice, I was told to go sit in the stands. First one cut. My high hurdling career ended very quickly. Notice today how, how in, our, in our younger people, we see it in this last election cycle, notice today uh, younger people have a, a renewed infatuation with socialism and a renewed push for socialism. And we, and we start to see that take hold today. Uh, it's, the, it's a growing idea that this is the fair way and this is the best way to run a society. Well, let me tell you what socialism means. Socialism means you take a test and you work hard and you make an A and somebody else messes around and they, they come in and make a C and it doesn't matter because both of you get a B. That's socialism. You know what? Let me just be honest with you. If you work hard and you build something or you're good at something and, and you work hard and you save and you're smart and you're honest and you have a bigger house than I do or you drive a newer car than I do, good job. I'm proud for you. But it seems today we have this idea that the lowest common denominator is the goal. We have an idea that just being good enough, if, if all of us would just be good enough, that that somehow would be good enough. And that is what we're teaching today. That is what we're promoting today. No longer are we pushing people to excel. No longer are we telling our kids, you know what, you're going to have to work hard. And if you fail, you're going to have to work even harder. And you're going to have to work hard. And then when you succeed, it will be something to celebrate. We have an idea that everything just has to meet the lowest common denominator. And it has moved into the church. And the result is today we're, we're producing a bunch of average Christians in a bunch of average churches with an average faith which tells the world that we serve an average Savior. What a shame. Here's the call of today. 
Here's the call of our message today. Friends, we serve an awesome Savior. We save, serve a great Savior. Our God is a great God. His, His graciousness is tremendous. It is great. Our salvation, oh, it is so great. And our heart's desire should be to be great in His cause for His glory, not to somehow be average, not to somehow just hit the lowest common denominator, but to exist for the high glory of an awesome God. That is the call today. Today our message is entitled, Dare to be Great. Dare to be Great. We're continuing moving through the verses in Luke. Today we're in Luke chapter 22, verses 28 through 30. Luke chapter 22, verses 28 through 30. To set the context, I'm going to back up to verse 23, and I'm going to read verses 23 all the way to verse 30. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 22, beginning here in the 23rd verse. It says this. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who is going to do this thing. Verse 24. And there arose a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Verse 28, you are those who have stood by me in my trials and just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones, in, on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today and we are thankful today for, for you. We're thankful for your compassion. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your mercy shown to us as sinners. We're thankful for your power. We're thankful for your majesty. We're thankful for your, your holiness. We're thankful for your purity. Lord, we're thankful that you're, you're faithful and you're trustworthy. We're thankful for our salvation. Oh, such a great salvation through Jesus Christ. We're thankful for our Savior, our only hope, our only remedy for sin. I'm thankful for Jesus. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray that you would speak today, that your word would speak to your people today, that it would, that it would change our minds, that it would shape our hearts. Lord, I pray that our response would be as you have desired, that it would lead us to the end that you've called us to. Lord, I pray for some in this hour, in this service that do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that in the influence of this church and the preaching of your word and the drawing of your spirit, I pray, Lord, that in this hour they might put their faith in Jesus for their salvation. Lord, I pray that all the, the barriers will be removed. And then, Lord, we pray most of all that you would be glorified in our meeting today. Lord, we love you, we worship you, we exalt you, we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Here's an interesting question. Is there such a thing 
as a great Christian. Is there, is there really such a thing as a great Christian? We're all sinners. We all sin. We all, none of us have any good things to offer. The Bible says that, that the best things that we offer are but, but dirty rags in the sight of God. Is there really such a thing as a great Christian? Here's, here's a better question. Should a Christian desire to be great in the cause of Jesus Christ? Isn't that some sort of pride issue? Doesn't that reflect some sort, of, some sort of, 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 of fault in a person's heart? Should a Christian desire to be great in the cause of Jesus Christ? Now, let me tell you, I, I think that we take these verses that we looked at, our lead-in verses today, the verses we looked at two weeks ago, and we use them as an excuse to be nominal believers. We use them as an excuse to be entry-level Christians. Somehow today we've taught in the church and we promote that, that getting saved is the goal. Getting saved is the end of it. We want you to hear the, the good news of Jesus Christ and, and we want you to be saved. And somehow we've promoted that, that getting saved is, is the goal. And that as long as we're going to heaven, the, the, the lowest common denominator, good enough is good enough. Doesn't that seem to be the Christian realm today? Good enough is, is good enough. You know what? They're going to heaven. They've got that settled. And so good enough is good enough. Well, understand this. See this this morning. Christ never calls for average, unmotivated, half-stepping, apathetic, disinterested followers. You know what, go, go and read the book of Acts. Go and read the New Testament accounts. Nowhere does Christ call for those that have put their faith in Christ and they've secured their salvation and now they've become apathetic. Nowhere does he call for a Christian to, to receive so great a salvation. No work of his own, nothing he could have ever done to have been saved, but now we find him unmotivated and content to be average. Not at all. Look in the Bible. He calls for his followers to be warriors. He calls for his followers to be bold witnesses, to go and to stand when nobody else will stand, to go against a flow that's going a different direction. That's what he calls of his followers. He calls us to have a relentless commitment to him and to his cause. He calls for people to be sold out to the cause, not holding on to the things of the world, not holding on to the comforts of the world, but to let them go and to be sold out to his cause. Even zealous, the Bible says, even zealous for his cause. Listen, we act like it's a bad thing today to be a zealot for the cause of Jesus Christ. Understand this. He calls us to be great in his cause. He does. He calls us to be great for his glory. Here's where we get off track. However, he does have a different definition of greatness. And I think that's where we've messed this up. That's where we've gotten it stored. He does have a different definition of greatness. In our verses from two weeks ago, Remember the context here. Jesus is just before the cross. And can you imagine that? Just hours 
before his beating, just hours before the cross. Jesus is just short hours from the cross. And his, and his disciples, the scripture records for us, have entered into a discussion. Really, it is in an argument. The Bible tells us it is an argument about who will be the greatest. Really, who is the greatest? I'll be the greatest there because I am the greatest here. And they've entered into this argument there just hours before the cross about which one of them will be the greatest. Remember, Jesus shows them it's not who you think. It's not the one who self-promotes. We live in an age where everybody wants to self-promote, where everybody has to say, look at me, where it's, not a, where it's not an act of service if there's not a picture to go along with it. It's not the one who self-promotes. It's not the one the world acclaims. Oh, look at them, look at them, look at them. It's not the one the world acclaims. Jesus says it is the one who serves. Literally, it's even, it's even bigger than that. It is the slave. You see, we talked about it two weeks ago. The, the one that could serve could have a, a position in his service. Oh, look how I serve, but not a slave. A slave was there because of their duty to the master. And, and one that would serve might somehow fit into the crowd, but not the slave. They're beneath the crowd. The crowd doesn't even know they're there. Slave doesn't do it for status. Slave doesn't do it for notoriety. A slave doesn't do it for some position. Because they have none. They are a slave. It is the one who truly serves the master's cause. You want to know who's great? That's his definition. Not the one that's promoted. Not the one that's, that's acclaimed. Not the one with a reputation. It is the one who serves the master's cause as a slave. Get this today. We are to be great. Our hearts should, should long to be great, but in the master's cause, not our cause. We should long, yes, I should wake up and my desire should, that I would be great in the master's service and not my service. We, we, we should wake up and we should have a desire to, to please the Lord and we should, we should exist for the master's glory, not our glory. Yes, we should be great, but not, not for us, it is for his namesake. Then Jesus, explaining this to them, says, these worldly kings, you know them, these worldly kings, they lord it over you. That's what he says. They, they exalt themselves. They lord it over you. They're the greatest king. But here sits the king of all kings. Here sits the lord of all lords. In verse 27, he says this. But I am among you as the one who serves, literally as the slave. You see, he's got a different definition of greatness. Here he sits and all authority belongs to him. Here he sits, he's the creator of all things. Here he sits, he's the sustainer of all things. Here he sits and he sits there as the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And he says, but I sit here amongst you as a slave. We have a different definition of greatness. As we move to today's verses, you might ask, and these disciples may have asked, why? And I think that's a pretty, a pretty fair response. Why do this? 
As we move to this point in the gospel, as we move to this point, we, we have the question, why would we do this? Jesus has told them in no uncertain terms, you're going to suffer. He's told them, you, you'll not be exalted. You'll serve as a slave. You'll be a slave. He's told them, as you serve, you're going to be hated. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be abandoned. You're not going to be embraced and, and not given some position, some place of position. No, you're going to be ridiculed and you're going to be mocked and that's going to be your lot as my followers. So the question is, why? Why do this? Especially after the next day, after the cross, after the brutality of the cross, why would you ever do this? After they see what happens to him, what they see what happens to the slave and, and the death that he suffers on the cross, why would you do this? Do you know the 11 who are here? I believe Judas has left at this point. The 11 who are here in his hearing will die for this cause. 10 of them violently. Why? Why? Today I want to give you three reasons why. Three reasons why. The first reason is this. Jesus shows them the cause outweighs the cost. Jesus shows them the cause outweighs the cost. Hear that again. Listen very carefully. The cause outweighs the cost. See, see this in context. Jesus here is right before the cross. He's just about to go to the, his brutal death there on the cross. And can you imagine those hours? These are his final hours. These are the last hours on earth of our Savior Jesus. And we find Jesus at this point, he is still teaching them. See here, he has no self-focus He's not here in some self-concern. He's not here putting the focus on himself. No, just before the cross, he is making sure they are encouraged. Just before the cross, he is making sure they are equipped. And just before the cross, Jesus is teaching them the cause outweighs the cost. Very soon, Jesus will stand up from this table and he will walk the last steps to the cross of Calvary. He will stand up from this table. He will make this declaration. He himself, he will stand up and he will walk the last steps to the altar of the cross where he will die for the salvation of sinners. And there on that cross, he will show once again the cause outweighs the cost. Friends, the cause outweighs the cost. Why endure? Why serve as a slave? Why take such abuse? Why? The question is why. Believer, listen to me. It is because today the cause still outweighs the cost. Listen, why would we ever want to be mediocre? Why would we want to ever be average? Why would we ever want to be half in? Don't we see the cause today? Don't you see the need around you today? Don't you see the hurt right around you today? Don't you see the lost souls who will perish outside of Christ today? Listen, listen to me today. The cause still outweighs the cost. 
Folks will die without Jesus. They're suffering without Jesus. They're walking off a plank into an eternity apart from Jesus. And when we look around, oh, the cost still outweighs the cost. That's why you would do it. Second, second reason to persevere. Second reason to take up the cause. The second reason to stand for his great glory, for his cause. And that is this, listen. Jesus knows who has been loyal. Hear that again. Jesus knows who has been loyal. Listen to verse 28. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. Now, I really can't imagine a greater thing that could be said to a person. Listen to verse 28. Jesus says, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. You are those who are faithful to the master. These men, they left everything. These men, they abandoned everything. Remember the account when they're called, they're called and it says they left their boats and they dropped their nets. They had a future there. They dropped their nets. They left their families. They left the, the futures that they had planned. You know what? I'll do this and I'll do this and maybe someday we'll get another boat and maybe someday I'll hire fishermen to go out for me. And they had plans for their futures. They left their nets and they left their boats and they left their planned futures. And the Bible says they followed Jesus. These men, they had left everything and very soon it will cost them everything. Listen, they will pay the dearest price. It's going to cost them everything. But Jesus knows. You are those who are faithful to the master. I want you to see this. These men, we know where they failed. We know where they fell. We can, we can read it in Scripture. These men, we, we know where they fell short. We know at times when, when their faith wasn't the greatest. We can read the accounts of when they messed up, when they, when they fell short, when their, when their faith somehow seemed to falter. But get this. Jesus doesn't remember their faults, but he does remember their faithfulness. What an, what an awesome thing that is. Listen, Jesus doesn't remember their faults, but he does remember their faithfulness. He doesn't list all the places that they fell down. Listen, let me give you a listing of where you fell down. He doesn't list all the places that he wishes they'd done better. Oh, had you done better. He doesn't give a listing of all the places that he hoped they had been stronger. No, he remembers they were faithful to the master. They were faithful to the master. You know what I want to be? You know what I want to raise my kids to be? You know what I want to raise and, and lead a people to be? A people that, yes, we have failed, and yes, we've messed up. No, we weren't always the best, but when Jesus has come and the battle is over and the smoke all clears out, I want to lead a people that it can be said as sinful as they were, as dumb as they were, as weak at times as they were, they were faithful to the master. 
Friends, let's be those people. Let's be that. Oh, they were faithful to the master. Yes, they fell short, but they were faithful to the master. Listen today, understand salvation is not the end. No, it is, it is the starting place, friends, in all things and at all times. Let us be a people that are faithful to our master. Let us serve him, faithful to the master. Let us take up his cause, whatever it costs. Let us be faithful to the master. Why? Why take up this charge? Why endure? First, Jesus shows us the cause outweighs the cost. Second, Jesus knows who has been loyal. Jesus knows who's been loyal. Here's the third one. Jesus rewards those who have been loyal. I don't, I don't think we talk a lot about this. Listen, the truth of Scripture is this. Jesus rewards those who have been loyal. Verses 29 and verse 30. I'm going to read them together. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, and just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Here in these verses, Jesus promises a great reward for their faithfulness. He says there in that 29th verse, just as sure, just, just as sure as the Father has granted him a kingdom, he says, I will grant you a kingdom. I will grant that you may eat and drink at my table. Listen, this is talking about the, the head table. This is talking about the king's table. They had served as a slave. They've had to tiptoe around the tables. They've had to come not as part of the in crowd and they've had to serve the lowest of tables. But Jesus says, on this day, you will sit with me at the head table, at the king's table, and there you will dine and there you will eat. Not only that, as awesome as that is, he says, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. These people were neglected. These people were abandoned. They were smashed in with rocks. They were crucified upside down. They were killed with knives. They, were, they had their heads cut off. Nobody gave them any position. No one gave them a place of authority. But Jesus says, in my kingdom, you will have a position of great authority. Remember our study on heaven. Revelation chapter 21, verse 14, it says this. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Their names for all eternity are on the foundational stones of glory. God exalted them. God remembered them. God gives them a great reward. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says this. Listen to these words. For God is not unjust 
so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. I want you to hear that again, Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. See this this morning. These disciples, they are hated by the world. These disciples, they are despised by the world. These disciples, they have nothing in this world, but God sees and God knows and God himself remembers and great is their reward. Friends, the question today is why? Why would you ever give up the applause of this world? Why would you ever give up the things of this world to live as a slave? The question is why? Why would you give over your rights? Why would you give over your status? Why would you give over your comfort in these days? Why would you do that? Listen, it's not logical. Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? It's not easy. It's, it's so hard. Why would you ever desire to do that? Listen, it is because the promise of God for those who are loyal to the master is a return that is unimaginable. For those who've been loyal to the master, it is a promise of a payoff that is immeasurable. It is because the promise of Christ is that everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or farms for my namesake will receive many times as much even a hundredfold. It is because God in his kind grace tells us that he is just and our sufferings are duly noted. Our persecutions are seen from heaven and even our tears, each one, our tears in the dark of the night, our tears in loneliness and despair, our tears that are shed in great pain. He says he keeps them in a bottle. He sees and he knows and he cares until that day when standing face to face with our sins forgiven and with our failings forgotten, the master shall declare, oh yes, you have suffered. Oh yes, it has been hard, but today you have made it. Well done, good and faithful slave. You've been faithful with little to you. Much will be given. Come into the joy of the Lord and great is the master's reward. Great is the master's reward. Listen, for those who are faithful, he doesn't forget. He's not unjust. He heaps a reward multiplied on those who are faithful. Let me ask you a question. So what else would you do? What else would you do? What else will have mattered? The Bible says only what's eternal will stand. Listen, you can build yourself a reputation. You can carve yourself out of position. You can stack up wealth that your grandkids could never spend, but it's all not gonna matter. Listen, what else would you do? Be sure today the cause does outweigh the cost. Be sure today Jesus knows those who are loyal. He sees those who are loyal. He remembers them. Be sure today, the master's reward will be tremendous. So what else would you do? 
Friends, our desire ought to be to be great in his cause. Our, our desire ought to be to, to live for his glory. Listen, I'm not talking about changing occupations. Maybe he's called you to that, but I'm talking about whatever you're doing, that you would be a, a witness for Jesus Christ, that you would point to the truth of God's word, that you would lead people to Jesus Christ, that you would do what eternally matters, that you would say, you know what, that's not gonna matter, and that's not gonna matter, and that'll never last, and you would grab that that does, and you would serve the master's call. Our desire should be to be great for his glory. What else would you do? Let's pray. Jeremy, Father, we come. I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And I'm thankful just as you tell us the true definition of greatness, as you convict us and correct us that we might have a false idea of what greatness is, that you tell us that that greatness is serving. Greatness is giving over your status and serving as a slave. Greatness is love, giving of yourself sacrificially for the cause of others. And you show us that in the cross where you die, not of any sin of your own, but in service of us in our salvation. Lord, I pray that we would strive to be faithful to the Master. Lord, I pray that we would take hope that you forget our faults. They're not listed. But you remember where we're faithful to the master. Lord, help me to be that type of person, that type of believer. Lord, help me to raise that type of kids. Don't get sucked into a system that's not ever gonna pay out. Help me to raise, Lord, those type of kids. Lord, help us to be that type of church with our eyes upon our Savior, Jesus, and then use us for your great glory. Use us for your cause. And when the smoke all settles and the trumpet is sound and you've come for your people that you could say, oh, they failed, yes. Oh, they they messed up sometimes. Oh, they weren't very strong. But they existed for the glory of the master. Lord, let us be those type of people. Help us. Lord, I pray for some here today that do not have a relationship with you. I pray that today, They would put their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, we we praise you, and we worship you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.